welcome to another inspirational teaching from the Gate Church. Recently, in a recent times, we've been uh, sharing the Word of God on, on a culture of, and we've preached on a culture of uh, connection, empowerment, a culture of being present, a culture of volunteering, a culture of community, a culture of compassion, a culture of prayer, a culture of invitation, a culture of potential. And this morning, we also want to share on a culture of application. It's an application. Uh, so we want, we want to preach on, we want to share on that this morning. But um, I got a wee lesson there from these drama people this morning on how to apply the Word. You know, us, us sermon, sermonologists, we do go on a bit sometimes for like half an hour. These guys come up here and nail it in five minutes. Wasn't that wonderful? It's really good. So, praise God. We need to celebrate all the gifts in the body of Christ. And, and, and I really just sense the Spirit of God is stirring pe people up in this church about the whole thing of creativity and how we can use our gifts for the glory of God, how we can project Christ through drama, how we can pro project Christ through filmmaking. I had a recent interview with a guy called T.D. Jakes, and he, in, no, he was interviewed by a guy called Stephen Furtick, and it's liquid gold. I was like watching this, and I was like I was drinking the honey of the Lord. And he just asked him a few questions, and T.D. Jakes said, you know, he said, if Jesus came to church today, he, he, he wouldn't recognize our meetings. He'd be like, what's, what's an usher? What's the steward? What's, what's this bad boy here? What's all these things? And, but he'd recognize that the application. See, when Jesus preached on the lakes, when Jesus jumped out in a boat on a lake, he used the amplification of the lake because the sound went doing, 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 doing up to the crowd. And he knew how to amplify his voice. He knew how to use the technology of the day for the glory of what was about to come. And T.D. Jakes, Stephen Furtick asked him a question, and T.D. Jakes said, you know, if Jesus was around today, he'd make movies. And I, I, I nearly fell off my chair. You know, it was a good quality chair, and I still nearly fell off of it. I nearly decked it. I was like, oh my gosh, it was like, a, it was like a, the penny dropped. And I was like, man, we need to be so creative with the gospel. Do we need preaching? Absolutely. Do we, we, we do need preaching? Do we need the um, speaking of the Word? Absolutely. But we need to be creative in how we break it. I love the creative, creativity in this church, but, you know, I'm like Oliver. Please, sir, can I have some more? Uh, Lord, can we have some more? Can you, can you use the people that are here? Can you bring more people? Can you raise people up? Can you save people that will come in? And they'll do things that will glorify your name in the city. Amen? Come on. So, a culture of application. In our words, be a doer of the Word. Now, when I say the word doer, all right, in Scotland, the word doer means you know, traditionally when you hear the word doer, it sounds like somebody that's been baptized in cabbage, lemon, and vinegar juice all mixed together, and their face is like thunder. They look like sister or brother thunder muffin. You know, they just look like they're scowling at you, and they've got that kind of Scottish doer thing. So, I'm not meaning doer as in a miserable person. When I'm talking about a doer, I'm talking about taking the Word, applying it to your life, and living it out. Come on, is anybody on the same page here this morning? So the Word of God has power, and when we receive the Word, it not only touches our head, it needs to touch our hearts, it needs to touch our hands, and it needs to touch our heels as well. In our words, we don't just talk it out, we walk it out, and we 
work it out. We work with our hands for the glory of God. So it's important we apply the Word uh, appropriately. Now, one of the things we need to understand, I'm about to read to you from the book of James. Now, just to give you an understanding of the book of James, when James was writing this, this epistle, the, the New Testament hadn't quite been formed. All the letters of Paul hadn't been written. All these things hadn't taken place yet. So, James was writing a letter to Jewish people, okay? This was to Jewish believers. A lot of Paul's letters are written to Greek or Gentile people, uh, so, so, so there's a context to everything that, that, that's written. So, James is, is writing to believers, and, and he understands that the dilemmas that's going on within these people. See, the Jews were being persecuted by non-believing Gentiles. Paul was writing to Gentiles that were getting persecuted by some Jewish people or unbelievers as well. So, there's this persecution thing going on. So, how they write to people in their context is so appropriate. So, James is someone who understands what it is to know the Word. James is a man who knows what it is not to believe in his brother. See, James was the stepbrother of Jesus, and James didn't believe until the resurrection. So, Jesus is going around for three years doing signs, wonders, and miracles, and James was like, he was a doer. He was a doer Scotsman. He was like, nah, it's not for me. I don't believe. Then after Jesus was raised from the dead, some, the penny dropped. And James was like, ah, this is who he is. He got it. He began to understand. James is a man who eventually stood up in Acts chapter 15. James stands up at the Council of Jerusalem because the Apostle Paul had gone with some people because some of the Jewish Christians were telling the Gentiles they had to be circumcised to truly be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If you don't know what circumcised means, ask your parent afterwards or after person next to you. But anyway, so James understood. So Paul was like saying, what's going on here? There's something wrong. So they went up to the council at Jerusalem, Acts chapter 15, and they ask, you know, what's the story here? And, and James stands up amongst the council, and he sends them with a letter back, telling them basically to abstain from idolatry and to abstain from sexual immorality. And again, it's like a master class in biblical application. I was expecting a letter that was a huge, long epistle but it's basically a paragraph, and it just nails some things wonderfully. And I love that. And one of the things about James, the book of James, it just nails some things wonderfully well. It's just to the point, it's truthful, and it's powerful, and it's effective. So, we're going to read this morning from the book of James. And it says here in James chapter 1, we're going to jump into verse 19. And there's three things. I'm going to break it down into three parts. Number one is consideration. So, the first part I'm going to read is for our consideration. The next part will be for… I should know all my, all my points off by heart, shouldn't I? So, <laughs> the first point will be for consideration. The second point, the third point will be for um, evidences of application. So, let's, let's read the first part, consideration. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Is there any angry people? I mean, like, you're a really angry dude. Is there any angry people here? Don't put your hand up. 
because you'll just make yourself mad. You'll get yourself in a tiz and take a temper tantrum in a minute. But we should be slow to anger because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Wow. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so pre uh, prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. And when James is talking about the Word here, he's talking about the Old Testament Torah. He's talking about the Scriptures that have been already written so that his, his readers have not got the New Testament Bible already cut, compiled and completed. They, they don't have that yet. So when he's talking about the Word, he's talking about the Torah, but he's also talking about the Christ because Jesus is the Word. It says that in John, in the beginning of the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. And the whole thing of the, the Word is the Word has power. So as we believe in Jesus, we're believing in the Word. So the Word has power in our lives. So it's important that the Word, which can save you, it says, and humbly accept the Word, the Word of God planted in you, the Word of Christ. And the key thing is Jesus Christ, Jesus the Word. But as the Word is planted in you, which can save you, the good news for us today is that we have the written Word. We have the completion of the canon, the canon of Scripture. And the good thing with that is that we can read the whole Word and apply it to our lives. So James is challenging people. Don't, don't just be, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to talk. And many of us are, are good talkers. Fiona can tell you at home, I, I'm a good talker. My kids are like... And I, I'm just, I'm talking to nobody. I'm preaching to myself sometimes. But sometimes, you know, we can talk too much, but it's important that we, we listen as well. And it's important that we learn to be still and, and listen to what God is saying, because so often there's so much, there's so much noise round about us that we cannot hear the Word of God. We cannot hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us. But it's important that we hear everything that He's saying to us at this time. Let's look at point number two. This is an illustration of application, an illustration of application, how we can take that consideration, and he gives an illustration of how we can apply it. And it says, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive, deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Oh my goodness, the Word has power. That is so incredible. When I love that, I'm like, oh my goodness, I so need to download the Word. You know, you, you got your settings on your phone or your computer, and it's always saying you need to download this, the latest thing so your thing's functioning properly. And it, it's like, man, we, we, we so need to download the, the Word. We so need to receive what the Word says. And it needs to go not just into our heads, because if the Word is just in our head, it's got intellectual application, but it needs to drop down to our mouths so we can hear it but we can also speak it with clarity as well. But the Word also needs to drop down into our hearts. And that's how it says. It says that when Jesus saw the crowd, He was moved with compassion. When we read about the Good Samaritan, one person was moved with compassion. I want to tell you, compassion is a heart thing. 
receiving the word as a head thing, but allowing it to drop that 18 inches, boom, down into the heart, something takes place when it ministers into our hearts. Something takes place that causes us to be softer than we were the before. You see, you can be, have, have the intellect of the Word. You can have the intellect. You can think with God's Word, which is tremendous. A hundred percent advocate learning the Word of God, having the intellect of Christ, having the intellect of the Word. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, but also we need to allow the Word to drop into our hearts as well. And when it goes from our head to our heart, something happens where compassion takes place. And that's, it's a revelational thing where something goes from here to here and something manifests within us, which is incredible. And I love, one of the things I love about God's Word, I sometimes don't like it, if I'm honest, because sometimes I hear the Word of God and I'm like, yeah, I agree with that, but I know it's not in my heart. And I'm like, God, forgive me. That's not in me. It's in here, but it's not dropped yet. The penny's dropped here, but it's not functioned in my heart yet. And I've said, God, please forgive me. I tell you, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit when you read the Word of God. And suddenly, it's like you read it, and you know, because I can easily read passages of Scripture. I listen to the Word of God on audio, and sometimes I let it kind of go in the one ear and out the other, and it's kind of intentional. And I've said, God, help me to ponder on your word. So it doesn't just go in here, it goes here. It's from the heart. It manifests in me, and it manifests in a compassion as well. So we need to have the word. Don't, no, don't just listen to it, but we need to do what it says as well. Now, let's look at point number three, and this is what it says here. It says specific evidences of application, evidences of application. So the evidences of application, it says here in verse 26, those who consider themselves religious or Christian and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. Has MD here, here got a lashing tongue? You know, you go, whoosh, whoosh. you talk about people, you gossip about people, you're harsh on people, you meet people, you're horrid. I know none of you are like that. But just in case anybody's listening to the podcast, and you just happen to be listening to it in secret, and you've got that problem, may the Lord use this Word to help you and restore you. So some people, you know, the Word, we need to make sure that our tongues are in order. And what we speak, we speak the Word of life. Because in James as well, it says, how can a font, how can it bring forth both salty water and fresh water? We, we need to be the fresh water revivalists where the Word of God comes out from within us, from our heads and our hearts, and the Word comes forth, and it brings life to people. We speak life to every single person we see. When we meet people, we bless them, we invite them, we hug them, we kiss, well, you can hug them and kiss them if you like, but I'll just be speaking the Word of life to them. So we need the evidence of the application. So number one is keep a tight rein on your tongue. It's the hardest thing to control. When it comes to self-control, we need to be so careful of what we say and consider what we say. Masterclass in tongue talk. If you've got a waggly, wiggly, wobbly tongue that just goes bleh and it's out and you're like, ah, oh, didn't have a chance to think about that. Just breathe. Learn before, before you say something, just, I'm going to breathe. I'm going to think. And before you say anything, just say, give me a moment. If you're, if, if you're one of these people where you're like, shaboom, it comes out, and you're like, oh, no, I shouldn't have said that. Just learn to pause, step back, and develop a habit of self-control with your tongue. 
Do something to stack a habit that will help you control what you say in Jesus' name. Come on. So specific evidences. So we keep a tight rein on our tongue. And it says, religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So let's, let's look at the first one. I'm sorry, let's look at the last one. I'm going to go backwards. It's not because I'm a backward person. It's just I'm going to walk backwards. So let's not be, let's keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That's such an easy thing to do. It's so easy to be polluted. But if we adhere to the Word of God, if we hear what He says in our lives, we will be pure. If we allow the, the blood of Jesus to cleanse us, if we allow the Word of God, into, in, not just into our minds, but into our hearts, something will take place where we will refuse defilement, where we'll refuse things, where someone offers you, you know, to, to go to a club you shouldn't be in, you'll say, do you know what, I'm not going, you'll take a stand. Where somebody offers you, you know, a, 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 something that will defile your mind, or somebody will offer you a, a free gambling app, or somebody offers you a drug and you think, I, I, I shouldn't take that, or somebody offers you an extra pint of beer after you've had two, and you think, no, I need to stop. So that there needs to be something of self-control where we have the word and we can say no to things because it, we, we don't want to be polluted and defiled by the world. But it also says here, that God our Father accepts pure religion as faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Come on. So that's, that's looking after people. It's looking after, in, in, in the context of James, there's so many people who've been orphaned. There is today as well. And that's why we do things like compassion and all these other things. That's why families in the church foster children, adopt children. They do these things because we want to look after the orphans. We've also got widows in our midst. We need to look after the widows as well. If they're in distress, we need to look after them and bless them. And one of the things is that play today was so powerful talking about the Good Samaritan. It was so impactful in, in, in so many ways. And one of the things about the Word of God is it challenges and it changes us, and it, it really does compel us, not just to hear it in our heads, not just to be a good listener, but to be a good action man or action woman as well, to do the Word of God as well. Not just to hear it in our heads, let it minister to hearts, but it comes on our hands, which is action, it's the sphere of influence, it's our workplace, it's our environment, but also comes on our heels or our feet as well, so we walk it out as well. It's important that we do all these things for the glory of God. Now, one of the things with the Samaritan at the end, Jesus, after he had spoken and addressed this, the crowd, he said, go and do likewise, which is a powerful thing. And Jesus kept it simple. He just said, go and do likewise. Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. He showed her great compassion, go and sin no more. Now, um, what's the guy that was up the tree again? Zacchaeus. That's right, Zacchaeus. Thank you. I was going to say monkey man, but it was actually Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus was up a tree, and uh, he was looking out for Jesus. And after he met with Jesus, Jesus invited himself for dinner. I love Jesus' technique. I just love it. He invited himself for dinner. How anti-cultural is that 
in Dundee, Scotland. You don't, you don't invite yourself for dinner. Let's start doing some Jesus culture. Come on. There'll be about 100 people at our house tonight, Fiona, for dinner. So uh, let's, let's start doing the Jesus culture. and just I know people that do that, and they get away with it. Just say, do you know what? You're taking me out for coffee, and the person takes them out. They're really, isn't that good? You're like, oh, flip, no one to do that. But I tell you, it's just the whole Jesus culture thing, how we embrace what he said and what he does. Because kingdom culture just smashes through and cuts through any culture from whatever nation you're from. There's something about kingdom culture, just like a hot knife through butter, full fat butter. And it's just amazing. It just cuts through it. And that's the Word of God. It just cuts through some of that stuff. But it has to be led by the Spirit, and, and the Holy Spirit needs to lead us. There's some things about the Word of God that I, I love, and I have to be honest, sometimes I cringe because I know in my heart it's not there yet, and I'm saying, God, help me. But how do we apply the Word? So in James, we talked about the whole thing of how we look after widows and orphans, and Jesus said, do, look what, uh, do likewise to the, in, to the Good Samaritan. And how do we apply the Word today? How, how do we receive it in our context? Number one is, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus, He taught us how to pray. Have a prayer life. Have a prayer life. Have a prayer life. Jesus taught His disciples how to pray. We know in Luke, the Gospel of Luke, we know that, that nothing happened in the ministry of the disciples until the disciples asked, Lord, teach us how to pray. Boom, suddenly, all of a sudden, the miracles, things opened up. The disciples, instead of being in malfunction and dysfunction, went to function because they learned how to pray. So it's a game changer in the Gospel of Luke. I preached on that once. And the whole thing of how things change through prayer is incredible. Give us this day our daily bread. That's the Word of God. We need the Word every day. Number two is obey the law of the land. In other words, pay your taxes. That was one of the, when I came to faith in Jesus Christ, the whole thing of uh, obeying the law and, uh, uh, you know, honoring politicians and all that kind of stuff, I, to be honest, I hated it. I love Jesus, but I hate, I really struggle with that part of the Word of God. You know what it said to pray for your leaders? And, and, and that's, that's the next point is humility, is pray for political leaders. I want to tell you, in today's world, sometimes I really struggle to pray for politicians. There was one morning, an early morning prayer meeting, I just kept my mouth shut because I was like, I don't even want to pray for this Brexit anymore. I just want my breakfast, never mind my Brexit. I was like, Lord, help me, this is doing my head in. And I was like, Lord, how do we pray? But I want to tell you, humility, when you pray, when you obey the Word, when it says pray for those in power, pray for those in authority, there's something happens. It breaks something off of us. And as we pray for Theresa May and, 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 and pray for Nicholas Sturgeon, for those of you who are nationalists, it's difficult to pray for Theresa May. For those of you who are uh, anti-whatever you are, it's hard to pray for Nicola and unionists and all that. But I tell you something, there's something wonderful about being in Scotland. It breeds humility in your fast when you pray for your leaders. So right now, I'm going to pray for our political leaders. Is that okay? So Father, I thank you for this moment in time. I thank you for the place that we are at in, in Scotland, in the United Kingdom, and we're currently part of the European Union. Father God, I just pray for Theresa May, our Prime Minister this morning. I pray, oh God, that you would bless her and that you would give her wisdom. And I pray that for all those in the House of Commons, that you'd give them wisdom uh, beyond what's before them. I just pray for supernatural upon that, uh, that whole house in Jesus' name. I also pray for Nicola Sturgeon. 
who's the first minister of the Scottish Parliament. I pray, O oh God, that you would bless her and sustain her, and I pray that you'd give her wisdom beyond even her sphere of politics, that she would meet people, she would connect with people, and your kingdom would influence her. I pray for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, folks, what we're learning this morning is that it's important that we are doers of the… I could have just said that in five minutes like a drama people here. So, it's important that we are doers of the Word. We don't just think it. We don't just, you know, it needs to go to the heart as well with conviction. It turns into compassion, but also needs to go to our hands, putting bandages on people, and it needs to go our feet. We need to, to walk it out as well. So, Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you that your word's got power. I thank you for James the Apostle, that he was an eyewitness. Thank you for the even though he didn't believe until after the resurrection. Lord, it's in, it, it, that's encouragement for some people here this morning because they've gone through a time and season where they've not believed in the midst of the obvious of who you are. And, Father, I pray this morning they would come to the knowledge of who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what I'd like to do is before we go today, we're going to have a song of worship, and I'd like to invite every single person in this place here today, if you don't know Jesus as the Christ and the Messiah, I'd like to give you the opportunity. We're going to give you a Bible just in a minute or two, but what I'd like to, what I'd like to do is give you the opportunity to pray this prayer of connection and salvation with Jesus the Christ, because the Bible says that salvation is as close as our hearts and our minds. And um, there's something about believing, because it says that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Christ, see, there's something about confession. Confession is p powerful. And I'm not just talking about confessing sins. Every single one of us here has confessed our sins either to people or before God. There's something powerful about confessing our sins before the Lord. But this morning, not only confessing sins, I want us to confess Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus as the Christ. And as we confess Him as the Christ, something supernatural takes place in our lives as we do that. So let's just, so I'm going to invite every single person in this room to pray this prayer with me. And as we pray this prayer, I believe that something supernatural is going to take place in your life. So I want everyone in this place just to pray. I want to invite you to pray it. And if you mean it with all your heart, something will take place that will take you on a journey to knowing Jesus in a fuller way. So just pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me. And I thank you, God, that you demonstrated that love by sending Jesus. And I thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you died, that you rose again, so that, that I might be saved, and my li life might glorify your name. Fill me right now with your Holy Spirit. Seal me with your Holy Spirit, and seal me with your salvation, that I might be born again. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. This is the end of your teaching for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. 